0: Everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with The Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And today, as always, we've got a great show for you because every artist is great that we bring on. Every artist deserves that pat on the back because they're chasing this crazy dream called music that a lot of people have called them crazy all their life. But you know what? Some of them are making it. And the one we got today, he's proof that you can make it. Um, we got Buddy Jewel on, and I think you're going to really love him. He's really personable. And he's got some great music, too. So, Buddy, are you here?
1: Well, boy, I tell you what, you sure
2: don't uh, under-promise. I hope you you (laughs) (laughs) over-deliver.
0: I'm doing great,
1: man. Thanks for having me on, Chris.
0: Yeah, we're proud to have you on. And as we get started here, um, tell us a little bit about – how you're dealing with the whole COVID right now. Because I always like to start that in there because, you know, this is a temporary time. And when people go back and listen to these five years from now, they'll be able to say, oh, that was during that pandemic, that that interview. And I want people to remember that, you know. So how are you dealing with it personally?
2: Well, you know what? Um, I mean, obviously it's affected everybody in in multiple situations. You know, know, the music industry has been – you know devastated you know so to speak in a way because all the Mm -hmm. touring and stuff that got canceled i will say this though and uh Mm. i won't say that i am a prophet or had any foreshadowing but i was already stocked (laughs) up on toilet paper before everybody went nuts uh so we never came even came close to running out of toilet paper and had we i would probably just subscribe to you know, a newspaper or something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That was the unbelievable thing. Nobody could figure out why it was like people buying up toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of all things. <laughs> I'm
2: thinking Bill Gates uh, is involved, and he has <laughs> owns all the toilet paper in the world
0: or whatever. That's probably what I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So as we get started, and, and, and you know what's funny about all this is how um, – is when, it's, when everything got shut down, told Sandy, this is our time to shine. Because of what we do. We're on the phone with y'all. You know, yeah. I was like, because, you know, before when everybody was so busy, it's sometimes it's hard to get interviews, especially 60-minute yeah. interviews like we do yeah. with people. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody's home. <laughs> so what are they going to do? Oh, I was like, you know what? This yeah. is our time to shine. Because we launched – the show, January 3rd, you're actually our 123rd interview since January 3rd.
2: One, two, three. I love
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as so we get started here, tell everybody, in case they don't know, which they probably do, but if, in case they don't, who you are, where you're from, and a brief overview of of you.
2: Okay. Well, um, my name is Buddy Jewell. I'm originally from Osceola, Arkansas. Uh, I like long walks on the beach at midnight, and that's um, well, no, an, it's a different profile. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I moved to Nashville. <laughs> I've been in Nashville for over twenty, almost thirty years, actually. And I got here in in nineteen ninety three, and started working as a studio singer, singer, a demo singer, sang on thousands. Uh, literally thousands of demos. Some of them <laughs> went, went on to be big hit songs for other. Um, artists like what probably the biggest one was a song called Write This Down. I sang the demo on that before George Strait heard it. Oh wow! And George heard my version, wow. and liked enough to do his own version, and and I still didn't get paid much money for it. But anyway, uh, I did stuff like that for about ten years. And then in two thousand three, you know, there weren't very many reality shows around. There's like literally maybe five, uh, including Big That's Brother, uh, Survivor, mm-hmm. and American Idol. I think was a year old. But there was a television show that came along on USA Network called Nashville Star, and I was blessed to uh, get on uh, that show, and it was a a reality show for uh, country singer songwriters. And lo and behold, uh, the good Lord saw fit to let me win the very first season of it, and I went on to have a couple of really, you know, some really big hits on the radio. Sweet Southern Comfort's probably the one I'm known best for, and uh, my first hit was a song I wrote about my daughter called. Help pour out the rain, Lacey song, and um, and I've been sticking a cowboy hat on and singing all around the world ever since. And I just I'm one of the most blessed, <laughs> lucky guys you'll ever meet. So hopefully I summed it up in about a minute and a half. Yep. There we'll see.
0: Now, now was your was the Nashville Star of that first season? Was that also the season that Miranda was on?
1: It was, sure was.
0: Was that cool? To so, you know, <laughs> to know where both of y'all are. You know, and came from the same season.
2: Well, you know, I think so. I think, I think um, honestly, you know, everybody that was on that show—if um, you mm-hmm. think about it—that probably all of us. I know I had, and she had. We've been passed over by Nashville several times, and no, uh, right. to to know that these guys came out of Hollywood and found some some uh, talent right underneath the noses of all those folks over on Music Girl, I thought was pretty mm-hmm. hilarious. You know, so <laughs> and, you know, Joy, was, and I luck I was looking up to win. She came in third and the way it's turned out I'm, I'm wishing maybe I came in third, you know.
1: <laughs> Not too bad for third. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and you know, talking about the executives and all that 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 they went around them and all that. We had um, Mike Kraske on the other day 'cause we do a podcast mm-hmm. called State of the Music Business where we bring yeah. on the executives and others on the yep. business side of music to try kind to of get that side of it. And me and him were right. talking, and he made the comment. He was telling everybody, he said, if you're an artist, please don't listen to us executives because sometimes we get it wrong. And he told us the story that he, that he passed up on bringing Jason Aldean and Kenny Chesney on. He said they would never make it.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, <laughs> funny enough, Krasky was at Sony. He was at Sony when I was there. I don't know how long he was there, but, but he was there for a while when I was there. You know, that was the crazy yeah. thing about the television show. You know, I won it uh. on Saturday, and Monday, you know, you walk into an, an office to go to work, and you go, well, dang, uh, three days ago, none of these people wanted to work with me. Now they have to. <laughs> you know, so, the irony is uh, really thick, but it's... But you know what, praise God, it all worked out and I tell people all the time I I God really really loves everybody, but I know he really loves me. I think he he's big enough and and uh and gracious enough that he could create a little television show just so I could get a record deal cuz that, that's the only way I was going to get one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that. You
0: know, and, and you know, the the music industry is so tough. You really do got to have a sense of humor or you'll go insane.
2: Oh, trust me, yes, you do, and uh, you can't take <laughs> yourself too seriously, oh my gosh, yeah, that's uh absolutely you gotta have a sense of humor. don't take yourself too seriously and and, and man, and it comes in waves you just gotta you gotta stay in the boat. it's what you gotta do, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know anyways,
2: and i and I've been blessed to, be able to do that for seventeen years, man, so no complaints
0: here, man, that's awesome, and as you know, mm-hmm. you know being an artist, you know. It, yes, it's a passion, but you still gotta have you have a little bit of a balanced life. What are some hobbies you like to do outside of music?
2: Oh my gosh, uh, you, the crazy thing, of course, you know when I was, um, you know, my early, early years, you know, it kind of was my hobby. Mm-hmm. I just loved singing. I, I you know, yeah. like most people, I've done it for free until I figured out they'd pay me for it. You know. I like to, and I'll say this, and I haven't done it in a couple of years, but used to, my Mm -hmm. youngest, Joshua, and I would grow uh, a a small vegetable garden. And I mean like small, like in two whiskey barrel halves, small. Uh, We would grow uh, cherry tomatoes or grape tomatoes or whatever and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, banana peppers. And uh, other than that, man, I stay so busy, I don't have time for a hobby. Um, I yeah. I do like I I do like good bourbon and a good cigar every now and then, and uh, and I like and I, I'm a homebody. When I get home off the road, mm-hmm. the last thing I want to do is travel, which really makes it tough on my. <laughs>
1: you
2: know, my wife bless blessed her heart; she gets stuck here most of the times, and I've been fortunate mm-hmm. to be able to take her Europe with me a few times and do some things like that. So, um, but yeah, I you know I, <clears> I just I love pro football. Uh, if if there's a you know if, if there's a side of me that you know gets excited uh, about anything else besides music, I love watching pro football. I <laughs> I will watch the worst two teams in the league from the beginning to the <laughs> end. You know,
0: just because I love
2: pro football. Yeah.
0: Do you still watch it when it gets lopsided? Uh, you know what?
2: If you have the. <laughs> It depends on if I got direct TV or not. <laughs> you know, if I got the Sunday ticket, no, I'm going to another game. Unless it, you know, I'm, and, I, and I'll be honest, I, I will turn some people off here, but I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan. So whether they're winning or losing, I don't turn it off. Um, but, uh, yeah, if I got a choice, you know, I'd rather watch a, a, an interesting game. But if if nothing else, if, like, say it's Monday night and it's the, the two stinkiest teams, I'll still watch it,
1: you know.
0: <laughs> Now, 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 unless you're watching a Super Bowl and the score is twenty-eight to three and New England is losing, they always have a way to come back. You know,
2: um, I was—that's very painful in the state of Georgia. I'm sure it is.
3: Yeah, that
2: man, that was crazy. I just knew Atlanta. You know, I thought, well, wow. I mean, that was one I probably would have switched the television off. Uh, you know, and said, well, hey, let's just go have fun. We know what's going to happen. Let's enjoy the rest of the day. And uh, no one more shocked than I was that they came back. I think, you know, honestly. They just
0: needed one I, more I, score.
1: I know. It was, it was nuts,
2: you know. Yeah. And hopefully we'll get to watch, watch them all play this year. We'll see, you know.
0: <laughs> yep. So what, at what age did you know this is what you wanted your life to be?
1: Oh, and you just wow. knew
0: that. This, being an artist, that's this is you know you were like, wow, I could actually make this a career. When did you? When was that moment clicked in you? I don't know
2: exactly when that moment happened. When I went, oh, you know, wait a minute, I, this is what I really, really want to do, right? Because um, mm-hmm. I kind of, but I, I do know one of the. Tipping point for me was I was a um, a freshman or a sophomore at Arkansas State University. Uh, I, was, I, I played football there. Uh, I, I was on the team. Uh, playing football is a figurative mm-hmm. term, um, figure of speech. <laughs> but uh, anyway, and I some buddies of mine on the team it, it coached me into getting involved in a a, a, a campus wide talent search that one of the fraternities put on. Mm-hmm and i and i i sang i think i sang please come to boston by dave loggins and i came in oh, second wow. in this talent show and i and if, when I, I came in second i thought well, dang you know maybe maybe i am good enough to you know to <laughs> do this stuff because i was real honestly wow. i was real shy and um mm-hmm. i started singing when i was a little kid in church and stuff like that but um, you know, when your mama tells you that you sound great and your girlfriend tells you you sound great, You sometimes you can't really trust that, you know, because you're thinking, well, My this being nice. But that was kind of a uh, validation for me when I came in second in this, yeah. you know, show that nobody knew me and the, and the judges voted for me and the crowd liked it. And so that was really kind of a turning point for me when I went, well, man, you know, this is something I enjoy doing. And uh, mm-hmm. maybe I'm maybe I'm pretty good at it and the girls seem to know mm-hmm. me a little bit more after that. So like let's you know, give it a shot. <laughs> Always a plus there. <laughs> yeah. And,
0: and and you know, you're talking about being shy. Back in high school I remember I would take an S on a book report if I had to do an oral book report.
2: No kidding. Oh wow. Yeah.
1: Did you have those
2: did yeah, you have those I, dreams at night that you were standing up in front of the <clears> class naked <throat> trying to read your book
0: report? I don't know what I thought back then. It was just, uh, it was. I just, I just was not going. You know, I, I remember when the internet really came along back in, I guess, you know, in the late '90s, and I started getting to know people online and chatting with a lot of the women back then. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's when I came out of my shell because I was like, oh, I can chat and taught game. And <laughs> because I had no game in person because I was shy. I became this no, I became well I won Sandy over. I was going to say he did. yeah, i was going to
2: say now I mean I don't want to you know get in any trouble here cuz like me and my wife met in a bar in the in the late 80s so there was no internet <laughs> there. But uh you know what I ask him how they met or not? Well now the cat's out of the bag. <laughs>
0: Amen. Yeah, no, we actually met uh, February 2nd of 2002 because, of course, it was taboo back then to me. But we met February 11. 2nd. We, we talked yeah. on the phone for the first time February 4th. We set a wedding date by February 18th, and we met in person March 4th. So we actually wow. were meeting in person. We mm-hmm. were meeting in person to see who we were going to marry, which we married October 5th of that year. We just knew this was yeah. God. We just knew it. Oh, that's we awesome. Did. Well, you know what, man, my young, my oldest son—that's
2: how he met mm. his wife—is online uh-huh. that. it's something. That she's she's a meteorologist, and they got into talking about storm chasing. And uh-huh. the next thing I know, I've got a daughter-in-law from Mississippi. <laughs> but, <laughs>
1: but she, no,
2: she's great. She's got a master's degree from Vanderbilt and all that good stuff. She's definitely he, as Vince Gill would say, he outkicked his coverage. You know. But uh, anyway, it's uh, but it's amazing, you know. I mean, the uh, how many people have nowadays, especially, uh, have met that way, mm-hmm. and uh, and just like yeah. you said, it was a God thing for you guys. So it was for me too. It just oh, yeah. happened in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: you
0: know, in this day and time, if you've been married over ten years, it's probably a God thing.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, hey, yeah. yeah. What. Trust me, I'm going on. if She'll keep me till December 20th. It'll be 32 years, and I promise you, oh, wow. it, it's a God thing. Yeah,
0: because you know,
2: I've, uh-huh. I've done I've done my share. To, I've done my share to, to screw it up. That's for sure. And thank God, oh, she's a, I
0: have too. A I mean, good woman. I went through yeah. 19 years of addictions until I feel like God healed me 12 years ago. But the first five years of our marriage, I was still in the mm-hmm. middle of those addictions. And wow, we got a lot in I'll common, never, man. Oh, uh, and mm-hmm. I remember that day. That, that's awesome. So you went through all that too? Huh? Yeah. Wow. Well, because I remember that day like clearly. I woke up December 26, 2007. And for the first time, I would got drunk on a Christmas day. I've never done that in my life. And I yeah. felt so bad. I pleaded to God that… I'm destroying this marriage I knew I was destroying that I knew Sandy I mean she never put me down She never done any of that First five years of our marriage She always uplifted me In fact many people tell us When we tell our story Oh she allowed you to walk over her I'm like no She allowed me no. to experience God's pure love through her If it weren't for that i be dead by now
2: Amen And, we're, and, I, and I remember
0: that morning <laughs> And what's fu- crazy Is I remember that morning And I remember Me pleading please either take this desire away from me yeah, or I'm going to do it myself in the wrong way Mm -hmm. because I was ready to end it all that morning. I know. And I remember him telling me that he will do it, and I've been sober over 12 years.
2: Yeah. Well, praise God for you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I had – I did. We moved to Nashville in 93, uh, and I had – I, and I smoked pot. I mean, like every day, every waking wow. hour of the day, if I if I could get it, and and mm. God just totally delivered me, you know, from that. Mm. And uh, and man, I, and I've never looked back. I mean, it's it's an amazing thing for me. And and I go back and I, I like I was working in a band out of Arkansas during some of those mm. years in my you know late twenties or whatever. And I, boy, we thought we sounded so good. And I went back and listened to those tapes, <laughs> I to them, and, and I threw the tapes away. <laughs> oh wow! Wow.
1: <laughs> anyway,
2: but yeah, man. Uh, well, thank, thank God, God for great vibes. Right? Always, <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Thank God for great vibes. Yeah.
0: And what's funny, we, we were talking uh, BJ yesterday, and he and he has the same story as us
1: yeah. Where he story, basically yeah. his wife yeah.
0: straightened him out, too, from addictions, And then he was telling us, because, of course, he personally knew Johnny Cash and all yeah. that. So he was telling us that exact same thing happened with Johnny, um, that June Carter Cash, of course, um, straightened him out. So so thank God for great wives. <laughs> oh, amen. Amen. That's true. <clears throat> so when you look back on your career so far, and you've got a really good one at this point, what are some moments where you're like, wow, I have gotten to do that? There's this some highlights that really come Oh, out. gosh. Um,
2: and, and trust me, there's been a ton of them. Um, <laughs> getting getting to meet President Bush uh, was oh, well. a really cool thing for me. And I, and I just briefly, if I can take a second to tell you the story he was coming. Yeah. He was uh, um, coming during his uh, when he was running for office. You know, during his first term, you know, for the second term, and he was coming to the opera mm-hmm. house, and I got him an invitation uh, to come and uh, and actually sit on stage with a bunch of other artists. You know, while he gave his speech, and then um, afterward they take you backstage. There at the opera, and of course, there's secret service around and everything, and and I'm kind of mm-hmm. walking through this pipe and drape thing, and I get there and I emerge, and there he is. And he looks over me and goes,
3: well, hey, there's the guy. And
2: I'm going, surely you don't know who I am. You know?
0: And I don't know if he did
2: or not. But I walked up, and I, and I shook his hand. And I said, oh, it's so good to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And um, I was telling him when he was running for office the first time around, he came to my oldest son's his elementary school. My son was in the fourth grade, and mm-hmm. he was a hall monitor. And then someone gave mm-hmm. me this great picture of President Bush leaning down talking to my kid. And I had that picture oh, wow. with me and and I said and I told him that story. And I said, Would you mind autographing this for me? And he said, we well, you want me a sign on the front or the back? And I said, Sign on the front, I'm gonna see the back, you know. And, and he reached into <laughs> his pocket, he asked me how buddy was doing. I said, Oh my goodness, Jim, Mr. President, he's you know, taller than I am now, blah, blah, blah. And reached his pocket and handed me a presidential lapel pin. He said, Well give him that for me and tell him tell him I said hello. And I know there's a lot of oh, people who don't like him and do like him and that's it's that way with every president, but I was very impressed um with just how gen, mm. genuine he was mm-hmm. with me. And I remember we getting ready to take a picture and I said, Is it okay to put my arm around you or, or are they gonna get me? <laughs> <You know? laughs> said, oh, give me a hug and just, you know, kinda of bear hug me and I thought, Well, this is
1: really cool So
2: that was a great moment. The first time I played the Grand Ole Opry is probably the first thing I hear oh, wow. say when people ask me about mm-hmm. that moment when I'm going, oh, my gosh, I'm actually getting to do this. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just crazy. I, I, it, the funny thing is I'd become friends with Porter Wagner years before that through my demo singing, mm-hmm. and Porter had begged the Opry to let me come on and sing, and they wouldn't do it. And then here I was on the television show, and three weeks later, part of the deal was they had to let you sing on the Opry, and I got and I made my debut May twenty fourth two thousand three, and Porter brought me on stage, and I got a picture of him and my dad, and me on the side yeah. of the stage, and I don't know which one of them was smiling bigger, you know, but uh, so that was a great moment for me. Uh, just so many of those things, man. I um, yeah. it's getting to meet you know some of my biggest. Uh, you know, heroes and um, things like that, and, and just getting to walk on stage every night and uh, and people mm-hmm. singing you know your songs to you. Yeah, one of the great moments for me was, although it was kept getting ruined, was I'd be driving down the mm-hmm. road right after Help! after the rain came out, and it would come on the radio here in Nashville, and I would turn out and go, oh man, I'm getting to hear my song on the radio, and then my <laughs> dang cell phone wow. would ring. And it'd be somebody saying, like, "Hey, they're playing your song."
1: I said, "I know, hang up. I'm trying to listen to it."
2: So. <laughs> yeah, but there's been a ton of them. God's been really good to me, man. <laughs> and,
0: and you know, and something I like to do on our show is flip the script a little bit. Well, we go the other way because <clears throat> uh, okay. I think a lot of times hosts they like to talk about the highs. But they never talk about the other side, the sacrifices. You know, you know people see the gr- the glory, but they don't see the grind that's behind the artist. And there's a lot of grind. Right. People don't understand what it really takes to be an artist. So I like, so I'm gonna tell a story to lead us into this where I want this to go. <clears throat> okay. Back in 2014, we interviewed Allison Steele from Two Steele Girls. At that time, they were full time with music. And one of the questions I asked her was, what um, advice would she give an up and coming artist? And her words were, if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, go do that and keep music as a hobby. She goes, once you want it to be a career, you have to think different. You have to be different. You have to eat different. You have to sleep different. Mm-hmm. You have to sacrifice different. She goes, every bit of your life, you have to breathe, eat, and sleep music if it's your career. You've got to have a bad day today. don't matter. If you've got a gig tonight, you've got to smile like it's the best day ever. She goes, there's so many. Yeah. She goes, the family. Has to sacrifice. She goes. We miss birthdays. We miss holidays. We miss so much that the average person don't get. She says. But if your heart will not allow you to do anything outside of music, then go all in because that's the only way those kind of sacrifices will ever be worth it. What do you think? What she said, and let's go on that side of it a little bit.
2: I think she's spot on. Um, You know, our families sacrifice. Well. (sighs) It's kind. Of, well, I put it this way. My wife had put gave it a lot of great perspective. She was kind of asked the same mm-hmm. question. You know, is it tough for mm-hmm. him being on the road and things like that? And I loved her answer. She said, "You know, it is hard for him for us when he's gone like that. And but at least we're at home and we've got each other. And he's out on the road, away from us. And she said, oh, and, wow. and this was kind of at the you know, right at the beginning of, um, you know, the the second uh, Gulf War, if you remember, mm-hmm. it was, it, that started yeah. during mm-hmm. Nashville Star, literally while we were living in the house, that <laughs> war started. And she said, at oh, least wow. I know that if he's gone for two weeks or three weeks, he's coming home. He said, those wives and husbands who have their loved ones deployed, they're not sure if they're going to make it back or not.
0: And so wow. she
2: said that, and, mm-hmm. and that really put it in perspective. So, yeah. The sacrifices are great, and sometimes, um, to be honest with you, it's not worth it. Um, you know mm-hmm. because you see so many families that break up and problems that 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 kind of separation causes, and then you got ego and mm-hmm. um, and pride and everything else that gets involved, and and it ruins a lot of people's lives. But yeah. um, you know, I I've been blessed. You know that even through the the low points. And there've been a lot mm-hmm. of them, you know. That um, you know, praise God. You know, we we've, we've had to bail water a few times, but the, you know, the boat's never <laughs> sunk.
1: So yeah, uh,
2: yeah it's uh, it, yeah, it gets tough. I'm, you know what? And and boy, you I, I tell somebody if they want to get a job in the music business, get a sales job first and get used to people telling you no.
1: I remember <laughs> when I first moved
2: to Nashville, y'all. I ain't kidding you. Uh, my wife, we moved her from Dallas, and uh, she was, mm-hmm. uh, you'll you will appreciate this, Sandy, she was a nail technician. She wasn't a manicurist.
1: <laughs> you better uh-huh. call her a nail
2: technician, you're in trouble. And she had all these sculpture nails that all you guys like to wear, you know. And so mm-hmm. and she was the breadwinner. She was the mainstay, and my stuff was kind of hit and miss. You know, that might be Feast for Family, mm-hmm, yeah. my music. So I would get, I got little jobs, odds and ends, you know, to so I could afford to be a musician, let's just
1: say. <laughs> but, you
2: know, she just, it, if it wasn't wasn't for her, you know, sustain us, you know, I don't know what we'd have done. Um, but, but she kept, it's like the old joke, you know, what's the difference between a large pizza and a musician? A large pizza can feed a family of four. Uh, you know, so uh, anyway, it was kind of like that. Now, I, I probably got us off on a tangent, but. Uh, it's and
0: that's and know, that's great. Uh, I love this. Yeah, well, because thanks. people need to know when when people listen to our podcast. You know, that's that's why our tagline says "up close and personal,"
1: because we yes. want to get and up close and
0: personal with each artist, no matter who they are. Mm-hmm. Because again, every artist has a story, and 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 I think every artist out there, if they listen, they need to hear these stories. Because mm-hmm. when you step across that line and and declare. I want to do this as a career. You have to mm-hmm. think different. You have to know every part of the business. Now, you know, because years ago you didn't have to know everything. Now, you as an independent artist, you are everything, and you have to know all <laughs> that. Boy, and I and, I and am you am. have to know, <laughs> <laughs> and you have to know that what it's all about. You have to know the sacrifice. You you have to know the struggles, and that's why I want to always bring that out on our show.
1: Yeah,
2: and you know, and I know I was going to say a minute ago that I'm, you know, I'm over fifty, mm-hmm. so sometimes I, I fade and go in going out. But one of those odd jobs <laughs> I had was <laughs> I I got a job selling baseball caps over the telephone to, to people cold calling. Oh so, wow! Like it would go like this: well, I would how? call, let's say, let's say that you own like a mobile home uh, sales mm-hmm. outlet, and there was a big yep. one here. I think it's called Clayton mm-hmm. Homes. They may even manufacture them down in Georgia. And so you'd call yeah. Clayton Homes and, and wherever Georgia and you'd say, Hey, uh, let me speak to the owner and to get the owner on if you could get him on. Well, hey, this is hey, this is Buddy Jewel and I'm with so and so and I just called, you know, and they had this big script in front of you and you're in this boiler room with fifteen <laughs> other guys and there's just noise behind you and, and you're trying to read through that mm-hmm. script as fast as you can before the guy hangs up on you. And um mm-hmm. you know, and I would have <laughs> to go in and I mean in ninety nine out of a hundred calls they would get mad, hang up or just say no thank you And man every mm-hmm. hour I ain't kidding you I'd have to go in the bathroom Get on my knees and pray for sanity And sobriety <laughs>
1: Because
2: It was tough But you know what it, it really helped prepare me For what I was getting mm-hmm. into With the music business because I got my heart Broken and my Dreams and, and my hopes up uh, It dashed you know So many times because I would think oh wow so and so at this record label heard me and you know they you know this friend of mine's a friend of them and you know this is going to work out and then you know all of a sudden you know the pin pricks a balloon and boom you're you know you you're back you know down to a uh, reality
1: Square but one. It, it
2: really helped get me prepared for for all for it just made me tough and uh and that's yeah. one thing you got to toughen up man mm-hmm. if you're going to be in the music business you better be tough because if not, I mean, and that doesn't matter what laugh, side of music it is. And, and you
0: know, and you know that really doesn't matter what side of music because we're in the same boat as artists. You know, we've got this crazy online show called the Christmas Sandy Show, and we named it off ourselves because we're trying to be like a Bobby Bones or a Ty Bentley. <laughs> and yes, and someday. we don't have all this money that other people have. Mm-hmm. We're you know where we do we do stuff? We, have we side do food gigs delivery. That we do to make we it. do food mm-hmm. delivery in the evening to keep us afloat yes. right now, while while we yes. build this crazy music business. <laughs> right.
2: Yes. Hey, I did that too. I drove for a, 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 I'm telling you, some of the same offices I would go into during the day, asking for uh-huh. you know a record deal or whatever, I was delivering food to at night. <laughs> wow.
0: Did any of them? Did any of them recognize you? When,
2: you know what? I don't, well, I, I very briefly worked that job, but no one ever said, "Hey, aren't you the guy that came in and brought me my submarine <laughs> sandwich?"
0: <laughs>
2: wow! <laughs> uh,
1: I love
0: that. And, yeah. So we're going to take a qu- quick commercial break, and then we're going to play play your song, the Teardrop song. I think really, really great song. Love the song. Uh,
2: and great. we're going to
0: talk about that. How's that sound?
2: Hey, that sounds great, man. All
0: right, hang on the line.
3: And bluer than another lonely night In New Orleans Spending my last dollar in the quarter Drinking down my broken dreams Tonight the pain of losing her Is showing on my cheeks Flowing like the mist Rolling to the sea. First must Stephen Words are cheap, but you can't find back So if I had a rich man's money, I'd still be busted back. There's a lesson in a leaving, but till I find a way to let her go, I'll be lonesome and lost as a teardrop in the Gulf of Mexico. i didn't say every angry word if I could just turn back the hands of time. And unbreak that broken heart of hers. Never push her across that lead and line. But tomorrow she'll be gone. Ain't nothing I can do. She's taking everything she owns. So my heart's going too. Word runs deep in words cheap. Can't buy find back. So if I had a rich man's money, I'd still be busted back. There's a lesson in a leaving, but till I find a way to let her go, I'll be lonesome and lost as a teardrop in the Gulf of Mexico. So if I had a rich man's money, I'd still be busted black. There's a lesson in a leaving, but till I find a way to let her go I'll be lonesome and lost as a teardrop in the Gulf of Mexico I'm lonesome and lost as a teardrop in the Gulf of Mexico
0: Great song.
2: Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys.
0: So tell us the story behind that song. How did that come together?
2: Well, you know, when I was getting ready to make this record, I wanted to try to write, you know, some stuff that, you know, had a, a really a bluegrass vibe and feel to it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was lucky enough, you know, one of the things that from my experience here in Nashville is singing demos for 10 years I had worked for every great writer in town, just about, I mean, you name them, Harlan Howard, Don Slitz, um, oh my goodness, you know, I mean, you name them. I, I worked for them,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: so I had all these relationships with these great writers, and a buddy of mine named Jerry Sally, uh, who was a writer at EMI, used to hire me singing tons of demos for him, and now Jerry's a big bluegrass artist and, and writer, and he also runs a, a bluegrass And Americana record label as well, and so I got Mm. in touch with Jerry and asked him if he would sit down and write with me. And I had had this idea um, about it was actually you know it started out as you know uh, she's she's like the Mississippi you know she just (laughs) you know she's leaving and all I can do is watch her go and you can't stop her from leaving. And uh, and the night before I went over to write with Jerry, I was going to think about that idea and I thought about. Mm You know, it's you know the, the river winding up in the Gulf of Mexico, and I thought,
1: sure. man,
2: how, what could be more lonely than a teardrop in the Gulf of Mexico? You can't get much more lonely or lost <laughs> than that, and that's where the whole
1: yeah.
2: uh, thing came from. You know, so it was just, in the, and we sat down to write. I told them the idea, and, and and of course, you know, you always got to come up with a, with a great first line. And and it's I I can't you know I can't take credit for any of that stuff, man. I'm not smart enough to think it. God (laughs) gave me the line, said, you know, hey, there ain't nothing bluer than another lonely night in New Orleans, and boom, we were gone. I would write a line, Jerry'd write a line. I'd write a line, Jerry'd write a line, and we were done that thing. You know, I don't know about an hour and a half, and um, Mm -hmm. and even at that, I wasn't even sure about it when I went to make the record, and uh, but I I wanted to include something there I was listening and looking at another song that Jerry had written and considering <laughs> recording it. And I thought, you know what? I think I want to record this one that Jerry and I wrote together and just listen to the guitar vocal, the demo of it. It didn't really sell it to me, but when I got in the studio with yeah. all those great bluegrass musicians that my producer, Mitchell Brown <laughs> lined up. And I mean, these are world-class guys, yeah. you know, uh, Danny Roberts from the grass and Donnie Allen that plays <clears> the <throat> Shenandoah. And, and the list goes on, and those oh, wow. guys started playing that, and that's one of the beautiful things about the music business is getting to watch that magic mm. take place. Yeah. When they started playing it, I went, oh my gosh, this is gorgeous,
1: and when I went in <laughs> to, to
2: to sing it, do my vocals, it was just like this totally different vibe, and I just fell in love with the song, and just couldn't wow. stop listening to it Once the, once I got the mixes back, and so... Um, and everybody else that 's that 's heard it 's really liked it a lot as well, so that 's what we 're going with for the first single we 'll see see what the good Lord does with it you
0: know and and you know I love that you insert God into this a lot because you know not every even some people that say they're a christian they don 't really wear that label, and I can tell you do and it excites me because I do. You know, my life would not be where it is if it weren't for God. Our show would not well, be I where it is if it weren't for God. It. Oh, uh, that's
2: so. A- well, neither, yeah, neither would neither would <laughs> would I, man. Neither would I. And you know, and I'll be the first one to tell you, I'm not perfect. <laughs> Nowhere near it, <laughs> and never gonna be until you know I step into the other, until I step into eternity. But um, yeah. Anyway,
1: thank God for His grace. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And I'm like, thank God for his grace, and thank God for Sandy's grace. Amen. (laughs) Well, you know, I I had
2: a preacher tell me, and I love this, some friends of mine that kind of helped counsel me Mm -hmm. through this whole uh, addiction thing. And they Mm -hmm. said, you know, do you know what the difference between mercy and grace is? And I said, well, I I really don't. I don't. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, mercy is when... You don't go get what you do deserve, and grace is when you get what you don't deserve. And wow, uh, I, and that. I boy, that really put it in perspective for me.
0: Because wow. <clears throat> yeah, without Sandy's grace, because she could have been bitter those early years you know, because of what I yeah. put her through. And, and I remember sitting her down in 2010. We just started back church. Things are coming. This was about a couple years after I've been sober now, and I felt like I was ready to hear it. And and I I knew that God used her to heal me. So it was my time to allow God to use me to heal her um, because I knew that I did some damage there. So I I sat her down, and I said, okay, Sandy, tell me what I put you through those early years. Tell me everything. Don't hold back. And she was like, are you sure? Now, when she said it the way she said it, I'm sitting there like, okay, um, uh-oh, <laughs> what does she mean by that? <laughs> and, but but mm-hmm. I knew that she needed this. I knew that this was going to start her healing. So I said, no, yeah. I'm sure. I won't say a word. And she started into different things and telling me this and telling me that and telling me how she felt. And, and I'm sitting there like about 30, 40 minutes in. I'm like, oh, my God, I've un- let go- I done. opened up a monster here. Because you know, I, mm. I, you know, I was <laughs> drunk half that time. I didn't know I did all this.
1: Yeah, and she's yeah, well, telling me you. this and telling
0: you. me that, <laughs> and but that was the begin because I did that. I believe that was the beginning of the healing of our marriage.
1: I it totally was, agree with that you.
0: That was very you know, well,
2: and I yeah, and I can't I don't want to speak for Sandy here, but I, you know, just with my, like with my wife, um, mm-hmm. when she felt like she was mm-hmm. in a safe place where she could open up to me and tell me, you know, what the things I had done had you know had mm-hmm. done to her. Mm-hmm. uh it it made a it, it made a huge impact not only you know on me uh hearing it mm-hmm. and realizing it but her mm-hmm. finally being able to verbalize it and and feel safe <coughs> saying it to me so I totally yeah. get that
0: <clears throat> so you know you're one thing I like to do on our show too is um I like to recognize the people behind the artist because, you, know, you know, they never get the pat on the back. So, you know, people see the artist. They see you, but they don't see the PR company. They don't see the producers. They don't see the manager, any of that. But, but, mm-hmm. they, but without them, you can't do what you do. It takes the whole team. So take a couple minutes to kind of talk about the team behind you that help you be who you are.
1: Well, I'll tell you
2: what, right now I'm working with uh, some of the the finest people that I think I've ever been involved with, and that's saying a lot because I've worked with some really good people. But, you know, God brought um, this guy Mitchell Brown into my life about two years ago and another fellow named Ernie Evans. Ernie's a big bluegrass promoter, has his own bluegrass radio show. He's down in Florida, and he does a big uh, classic country and bluegrass cruise every year. And so I got invited to come down and do the cruise a couple of years ago, and, and they were going to pay for me and my wife to come aboard and actually pay me to, you know, play. And and uh, you know, people that signed up under my name, I got you know made a little money for each person that signed up. So it was a good gig, you know, a good mm-hmm. deal in February. there's not a whole lot of work going on anywhere in the music business. Yeah. And so they were doing it in February, mm-hmm. and it was in you know down in Florida, and I was thinking, oh wow, that'd be nice to be where it's warm for a week. Um, but I met those guys, and I I do a thing on uh, on Tuesdays. I have done for about three and a half years uh, a Facebook Live called Tuesdays Tune, and I just come on and I talk to people, and I re- they love to hear you read their names, you know, and uh, and I'll sing a couple of songs and and give them my opinion about some stuff, and some of them like it, and some of them don't, you know. But these guys were watching me um, after I had, had done the first cruise, and I would, you know, I also usually sing like some classic country or something like that uh, on that mm. show. And um, they reached out to me and said, "Man, we've been listening to your Tuesdays tune, and some of that stuff you're playing on there, we think would translate really well to bluegrass." And I'm oh, like, wow. "What? <laughs> you know?" And mm-hmm. they said, "No, seriously, man." And because I, you know, I've done, in on this record, there's a couple of Ed Bruce. Uh, songs and those in particular, I'd sing mm. on T.Z. Ten. They said, "Yeah, man, those two Ed Bruce songs are just perfect uh, example. You know, that'd be great for bluegrass." Mm. So those guys really got the ball rolling cause, and and I was really hesitant wow. to do um, the, a bluegrass album, and and I'll tell you why I, because, you know, I, as a as a country musician, when somebody else would mm. come in from another genre, like an Uncle Cracker, or being very honest, Darius mm. Rucker. And guys like that, I'm going, come on, man, there's not enough room here for the people that are already here. And now you've got guys <laughs> crowding in, you know, from other genres.
1: And I go, well, dang,
2: I felt that way. And I, I'm and i, and I I'm sure so there are going to be some blue that feel the same way about me. So I was, I, I yeah. really was hesitant to do it. And uh, But, mm-hmm. you know, my music, you know, starting out, you know, I played acoustic guitar. Um, and I've always just loved acoustic instruments, especially, you know, the guitar, the banjo, the dobro I love, and, you know, harmonica mm. and, and things like that and, and the mandolin. And so it just really fits really the way the majority of my writing. And if you go back and listen to my, you know, my records previously, you'll you'll hear that in it. And so yeah. I, it, I, the more I thought about it, the more comfortable I got with it. But anyway, Ernie and Mitchell were very instrumental in um guiding me through this process, and Mitchell did a heck of a job. He plays bass on it. He chose all the musicians and produces sessions. Ernie plays a bunch of stuff on it. They both have just gotten in my corner and believed in me. They've introduced me to some great people. I'm working with a fantastic agent, another Christian guy. His name is Dan Mann, and he's with the agency ETC here in Nashville um, <coughs> and, and handles uh, like Belinda Doolittle from American Idol, and um uh, oh, wow. uh, some other, you know, great singers. Um mm-hmm. and uh Dan and I met through Mitchell and just in, and really hit it off. Um Dan actually does a prison ministry here and God led me into prison ministry here a few years ago.
1: <laughs> oh wow. And so
2: we kinda had that connection. And um so, you know, Dan's another one that just, you know, believes in me. And then my pub my publicist Craig Campbell, I can't thank God mm-hmm. enough for him. I met him when he worked at Sony when I was, you know, there on on Columbia Records,
0: and Craig's yeah, now
2: moved on, to, he has his, yeah, he is. And he's the reason I'm talking to you today, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Craig yeah. is just another brother in Christ, and uh, we wound up, um, uh, through all this process of me getting my life straightened out, wound up moving to a, a different church. And the, I think the first Sunday I was there, Craig came walking up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, hmm. I actually know somebody here. And, uh, and he's just been a great friend and brother and, and has believed in me and just been such a blessing. So, yeah, it's people like that, um, and, and my, my wife especially, above all. And then there's a, um, a friend of mine that we've, we've known each other since junior high school. We met in at uh, mm-hmm. choir camp at Ouachita Baptist University in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, back in the 70s when I was in junior high school. Her name is Mary Maggard, <laughs> oh, wow. and she is my, like, girl mm. Friday. Uh, she's a, a, an incredible graphic <laughs> designer. So if people are listening you need somebody to do some graphic design, look up Yes Ma'am Graphics. Uh, you <laughs> see every record, every, That's easy to remember. you know, T-shirt, poster, picture that you see of me for the past 15 years, she's done. Oh, wow. And she's the, the the president of my fan club. Um, there's another gal that I just I met through the uh, – Inspirational Country Music Association uh, the past couple of years, because I was lucky to win some awards in that in 2018-2019, and her name is, is um, Michelle Witzel, and she lives in Roswell, mm-hmm. New Mexico. Her husband is uh, is one of my heroes. He's a deputy sheriff out there, and you yeah. know kudos to him and everybody that puts on that uniform badge and goes out, especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. But uh, Michelle is yeah, a yeah. great graphic artist, and she knows a lot about social media and stuff like that. She's you know, just taking upon herself. You know, she she uh, called me up and said, "Look, been talking to my husband David. We really believe in you, and we'd like to help you out. What can we do to help you?" So it's just God just keeps putting no, great I, people in my life like that, and
1: that is um, really, really and great.
2: just I mean it's everything. I, and I look at what's going on. um you know, next week, and I I, I and I'm kind of like you. You told me some news earlier that I can't really share, but there's a. a <laughs> Some big stuff coming mm-hmm. for me next week. Hopefully on some big oh, awesome. uh, satellite radio, where they're they're going to mm-hmm. start playing my music, and and that's always huge. And so I just I look yeah. and I just kind of laugh and go, Wow, God, look at you! You know, I couldn't have done this <laughs> stuff if I had a million dollars, you know, to spend. I couldn't have gotten done what he's gotten done with a whole lot less than that. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I mean anyway, that's just like us with our amazing. show. You know, I mean I'm there's sorry? guests that we. That's like yeah, the best okay, the I guess yeah. there's no way God's not there's no way God's not involved in this because we've gotten so many artists that's come on and we're we're not even 6 months old the show mm-hmm. I'm I'm mm-hmm. sitting here like how in the world are we getting some of the artists that we're getting on
1: Oh <laughs> yeah
0: we can't believe it sometimes but yeah, it's yeah God
1: Oh I can like
2: I totally understand I totally understand <clears throat> now you
0: know now, because I can tell you're a family man, we you know we we consider our show a family affair. So we kind of got a third party that we call you know a, a, a yes, little co-host we do. A too. A third Our, team our little team. eight-year-old. Yeah, we mm-hmm. let our eight-year-old come on and ask one question to each artist. So he's going to come on. in oh, yeah? a Second. Now, what's his yeah. name? And, and his name is Lil Chris Christopher. He'll be on All right. And Are we bring And him we've got now? a fifteen-month-old. Yeah, she's about to get him. Uh, here he is. Here's Christopher.
1: Question. Hi, bud.
0: What's your favorite food? Hey, uh, this is Buddy Jewel.
1: What, uh, uh, how you doing today, bud? Doing good. Doing good? So, what was your question? Pete, I
0: mean, Pete. What was your favorite food? He's got him what all the What is my you? favorite food? <laughs>
1: Oh uh, well, Christopher. Uh, hopefully,
2: you're sitting down. Mm-hmm. I uh, I have two favorite foods: chocolate and lobster. And I Hell believe yeah. one of these days, when I get to heaven, God's going to have a chocolate lobster there waiting on me. I doesn't sound good now, mm-hmm. but it's probably going to taste good then. <laughs> what's your favorite what's food? Your now favorite I'm, I'm going to turn the tables. I don't know yeah. his favorite yep. food. Pizza. What, cheese or pepperoni?
1: Uh, pepperoni.
2: <laughs> How did I know? <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my Bye. goodness, well, it was good talking yeah. to you. Yeah. Bye, sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: he comes, and and we got a fifteen-month-old, and you know when she gets older, we'll plug her into the show too. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, what's He's her name? Your team <laughs> what's her name Caitlin. Yeah, her name's Caitlin. Caitlin.
2: I got you. And and they are, like, they are
0: seven years apart. Yes.
2: Oh, son, let me tell (laughs) you. My uh, God is so funny. My oldest uh, will be, he'll be 31 in uh, Mm -hmm. September. My youngest is Mm -hmm. 19. So there's 11 years uh between those two boys. And Lacey's right (laughs) in the middle of them. But Lacey's four years younger than Bud and, and seven years older than Josh. And and we thought we were through after Lacey, and and, and 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 we even tried to get pregnant for about a year, and we thought, oh my gosh, what are we doing? you know the the of kids are out of diapers, stop, you know, and and so we stopped trying. <laughs> and God said, ha ha, you know, his here's, trick, here's, here's, you know, the, the joke's on you. I got a third one coming. Just going to show you I'm in control. Wow, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's, well, that's, a, that's yeah.
0: like with us, we we thought we was only going to have little little Chris. I mean, because I was 40 yeah. when we had him. And mm-hmm. and then seven years later, you know, so, I, so I'm 48 with an 8-year-old and a 15-month-old. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, Sandy, I got to ask you this because yeah. my wife, Tanae, when she found out she was pregnant with Josh, um us yeah. see, Tanae would have been able to, let I got to go back and do math here. This is going to be scary. She <laughs> was in her late 30s,
1: Yeah. and
2: the doctors were really worried about, you know, down syndrome and stuff like that. And they wanted to do, and my wife, by the way, has this aversion to needles. She's not just afraid of them. Mm. She has an aversion. Mm-hmm. To
1: oh, right. they want oh, to do wow. this.
2: Yeah. She wanted to do this. They wanted to do this amniocentesis thing where they right. go in and they, they nick a little bit of the, I don't know what it is, something off. Yeah. And she's like, no yeah. way. Uh, we're not going to do that. And we just say, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to trust God. You know, I know your statistics say that it's higher because I'm older that there's going to be some right. birth effects, but if that's the way God chooses to bring this child into the world, then he's going to give us the grace and the the, the strength and ability to,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, to, uh, to handle that. And right. so, yeah. you know, we just trusted him and we were blessed that, you know, our we were, you know, we had three healthy children, uh, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and, and didn't have to deal with that. So I was just curious, when when she came along did did they kind of approach you with the same type thing or was it no di- different I, they
4: did even with the first one i was four with little chris and they were still they wanted to do all of that and i, I refused it. it was like no we're mm-hmm. we're not doing that i'm going to trust god for for him to be healthy and it was even more so when i was let's see, 41 when I was pregnant with Caitlin. So
1: <laughs> now, they did do
4: a blood genetic testing. And then it was a, not the invasive yeah. type, but, and and we were thrilled when we got back the results and, and we did find <laughs> out it was going to be a girl. I was screaming on the phone then, but <laughs> oh and then <laughs> God took care of that one too. Both, both healthy. Wow. We're so thankful.
2: That's awesome. Well, I just curious, you know, I, that's, a story yes. that my wife likes to tell, you know, about God's faithfulness. And, you know, yes. I'm just I've yes. turned your show into a revival. I, you know, I apologize to your, if there's any Atheist out That's there listening fun. today. <laughs> well, actually, I don't apologize, but. tough <laughs>
1: Right. We understand. <laughs> we, we we let the
0: show go where it goes because I feel like know I try to let the artist lead, and when the artist That's brings right. up God, I'm in my zone. That's right. Right. We'll we love it, it. <laughs> Good So, so <laughs> um, If you could co-write With anyone dead or alive Who would it be and what would you want to write about Oh wow Man where did you get that question <laughs> I've mm-hmm. never
2: been asked that Oh wow if I could A lot of people say that okay. Well let me see Who's made the most money lately <laughs> um, oh my gosh, that's really that's okay. So if it's on the music, the musical end, because I've I've been blessed to get to sit down and write with people like Tom T Hall and Don Schlitz, mm-hmm. and some of these mm-hmm. other really yeah. famous writers, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Wow, I I think, and I've and I've met him, and he's you know been really kind to me the the little bit I've ever been around him. Chris Christopherson might be one of them.
1: Oh, that would be um, awesome. as
2: far as yeah, as far as music goes. Um, the uh, um, I, you know, it would have been great to co-write with Apostle Paul. I, I would have had you know half be- <laughs> 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 the. it you
1: know,
2: the, you know, Apostle Buddy doesn't sound as good, so I guess we'll leave that alone. But uh, I don't know, man. You know, I thought of some other famous authors that you know that I, that I would uh, maybe want to write with, and uh, you know, of course, I, I thought of uh, the cow that does the Harry Potter thing because she's making she's making mm-hmm. bank right now. But
0: uh, anyway, oh, yeah. I guess we to <laughs> go
2: with Christopherson. you know.
0: Okay. So, so is there a, a of, of the current songs that are out there? When I say current, it could be within two, three, four years. It don't have to be perfectly current, but I, of the current <laughs> songs that are out. Is there a song out there where you've heard it and you're like, "I wish I wrote that"?
2: Um, okay, I'm gonna try to be PC here, and I'm usually not. Um, <laughs> I uh, what what have I heard? First of all, I well, just being very honest with you, okay? So that's all. all the, I don't listen to very much new country. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I just I just don't dig the stuff. You know I yeah. I can only tolerate so yeah. so many uh, tailgates with beer on the back road and a girl and her white white beater under the moonlight uh, <laughs> in Savannah yeah. or wherever you are. <laughs> you know, and yeah. it got to that, <laughs> and and it all got to this same chord progression. Someone did a great mashup. I'm sure you've heard it of all these songs. It's the same beat, mm. the same tempo the mm-hmm. same chord progressions of all these songs. And when it kind of got to that, I just got really tired of it. And so I really haven't listened um,
3: How about much any of it. I was
2: there was Miranda did a song, and it, it's not that mm. recent, but the song The House That Built Me, I thought, oh, wow, yeah. wow, what a great, great song that is. So listen to the, the House have That Built that Me one. by Miranda.
0: You know, a lot mm-hmm. of artists that we've asked that question to has said that song.
2: yeah, that's Yeah. A the other one would song. have been. Um, you remember uh, the and this is more. This is older too. When uh, mm. Leon Leon Womack's "I'm Gonna Hate Myself yeah. in the Morning." And oh I yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, what a great song. You know.
0: Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's a really good one. Um, now, of all the songs you personally. What song means the most to you? Because you've done a lot, so and why? Hmm.
2: Well, you know, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll back this up with a story if we got time.
0: Okay, <laughs> okay. early okay. on was anytime, I came yeah. to
2: Nashville in mm-hmm. the early nineties. Are we good? Are we good time with? Um, oh I, yeah, I, I, came a, some...
0: uh, I let artists go however long they go.
2: Okay, oh <laughs> Okay, well I'll answer this question. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll leave you alone. Anyway, um, I um. Uh, I was in the studio with a guy who was interviewing different songwriters early in the '90s, even mm-hmm. before I moved to Nashville. And he was interviewing, um, um, <laughs> oh my goodness, he's going to kill me,
1: uh, Paul. <laughs> oh, I
2: just—it's oh, all, all Paul Overstreet. You're going to you're going to get me in trouble. Okay. He was interviewing Overstreet. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> And he asked Paul. He said, "So, you know, out of all your songs, you know." Uh, do you feel like, you know, we talked to a lot of writers, and they say, you know, their songs are like their children, you know, they love them all the same or whatever, you know. (laughs) Do you feel that way about your songs? And Paul had this great quote. He said, nope, I don't feel that way about my songs. He said, there's a lot of people I let record my songs that I wouldn't let babysit my kids.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) um,
2: If I had to pick one, other than Help out the Rain, Lacey's song, because that's putting tons of beans and taters on the jewel table, I wrote a song. Mm-hmm. It's real special to him. My dad, I uh, lost him back in, in uh, 2006, and about two weeks before he died, I went to visit with him and spent some mm-hmm. time with him, and we were having this conversation about your, your legacy and, and, no, and had no idea that he was going to pass away. It was suddenly. Oh, wow. But I came back to Nashville, and I was talking to my friend Leslie Satcher about we were sitting down to write, and I told her about this conversation. I had with my dad, and he had my grandmother's old King James Bible, Laid upon his lap, and she had, she literally had read it through cover to cover like 30 or 40 times in her lifetime. Just amazing wow. Christian yeah. woman. She co- could quote you verse and scripture like nobody else, right? And so, had mm-hmm. he, yeah, her I mean, old Bible, and of course, you read the Bible that much, it's going to get beat up and torn up, right? So, we had this yes. imagery of that Bible, and Leslie and I wrote this song called When I'm Good and Gone. And um, uh, and I've I've used that song in my shows and stuff like wow. that. Anyway, I wrote it two weeks later my dad passed away and he never got to hear it. And that always oh, wow. bugged me a lot. And I would even use it in the middle of my shows. I'd send my band off stage in, in these bit these big venues and I would just sing that song, play acoustic guitar and tell a story about writing it. And, and that it bugged me that, you know, dad never heard it. And then one night I was I was out in in Kansas somewhere at this big fair and I was singing that song and i telling the story uh, of it right before I sang mm-hmm. it. And it, and, and it was one of those things that wasn't st- it's was like the still small voice thing. I didn't hear this booming yeah. voice coming from heaven, but I knew God was talking to me. And he yeah. said, uh, mm-hmm. not verbatim, but essentially said, <laughs> buddy, you don't have to tell this story about your dad not hearing this song anymore because uh, let me let mm-hmm. you in on something. He gets to hear it every time you sing it. And I thought, oh, Wow. wow. And so, and that really changed things for me. And then, um, and I got it on a, a, a gospel record I did a few years back called um, um, "I Surrender All." But then I found out Ricky right. Skaggs and Sharon White cut it and put it on their their duet <laughs> album "Hearts Like Ours" a few years ago. Oh, and wow. It was the first cut that I've ever
3: had mm-hmm.
2: in Nashville, aside from stuff that I oh, cut wow. my on. Twenty something years into the deal, like twenty two, twenty three years here, and I finally got a cut. <laughs> it was on Ricky and, and Sharon. That, that song, so that song is probably really special to me. Yeah,
0: that is really awesome. It <clears throat> is <clears throat> now I'm gonna now I'm gonna lead into the next question with a small story. Back, you know, back in 2014 or 2015, five years ago, we asked Kelsey Ballerini this question because she was on our show back then, and yeah. um, and she's lit, and the question is, where do you want to be in five years? And we asked her that question she is living almost to the T of what she told us 5 years ago and i know you've done a lot but you know as an artist you still got dreams and that you want to hit so knowing that and knowing that without vision you shall perish because even the bible says that what mm-hmm. is your 5 year goal plan where would you be you
1: involved? know i <sighs>
2: Well, where would I like to be, and where I see myself are two different things. Where I'd like to be, I'd like for me, you, you and I, you guys and I, to be having this conversation and going. You remember that mm-hmm. day when we were talking about it and you were just getting, you know, kind of back on the horse to ride again.
1: <laughs> and
2: I would like to be able to go. Wow, we've come a long way from there, haven't we? You know, I've, finally, yeah. I've won these awards, yeah. and I'm, I'm, you know, you know, playing all these dates and making all this money and stuff like that. Um, so part of me goes, yeah, I'd like for that to be going on, but honestly, where I want to be in five years is pretty much where I am right now. You know, I enjoy, uh, I'm making enough money. I'm not getting rich. Mm -hmm. I'm not making as much money as I used to, but I'm happier than I've ever been. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm healthier spiritually and everything else. And so sometimes, you know, with success that can screw you up. And uh, yeah. and I pray every day when I see this stuff kind of taking off like it is again, I'm I def- I've been going God, please don't let me screw this up. Please don't let me screw this up because I've totally
0: <laughs> wasted the opportunity
2: the first time it came around. You know,
0: and I would yeah. rather
2: I would rather mm-hmm. pass me by with that stuff mm-hmm. and me still have the relationship I have with him and my wife and family than to have wow. uh, to then to be bigger than Garth Brooks because you know what man it ain't worth it. I've had it all. Mm-hmm.
1: I've
2: like I said, you know, mm-hmm. I've slept in I've slept in palaces. I've shaken presidents' mm-hmm. hands. You know, back when I was being an idiot, you know, I, there was anything, there was nothing that I wanted that I couldn't have, and it and it mm-hmm. none of that, none of it fulfilled me. None of it filled that God's yeah. hole in my in my hole in my heart, and that's just the darn truth. And anybody that thinks yeah. that, that 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 you know mm-hmm. another dollar or another woman, or another mm-hmm. drug, or another drink is going to do that for him is only fooling themselves. So yep. I hope to be in five years from today, if me and you get to talk again, I hope to go, you know what, man, I'm still in, I'm still in that sweet spot. So that's where <laughs> I hope I am. I, I,
0: I love that. And yes, yeah. let's say you have, you have a friend, and you've heard him or her sing, and let's say you can tell there is something special about that person. Now, this would be pre-COVID advice, so keep that in mind. Um, and let's say that they've <laughs> – always got to say that now because people would probably give different advice now than they would um, <laughs> um, right. pre-COVID. But let's say they played 10, you know, 10, 20, maybe 30 shows. So instead so of really just getting their feet wet, but they've gotten on stage, they've looked at the crowd, and they got what every artist says, that stage bug where they just know they're in the right place. They come to you. And they say, buddy, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. What advice would you give that specific person to help guide them in the next two, three, four years?
3: Well,
2: uh, there's a lot of, you know, uh, variables to that.
0: Um,
2: <clears throat> if, it, it, like you said, if they really do have that something, if they're <clears throat> a really good singer, or whatever, then obviously my advice is look. You know, if you really feel led that this is what you're supposed to be doing, then don't let anybody tell you differently. But once you make that decision to go, mm-hmm. it's kind of like jumping out of an airplane. Mm-hmm. You can't climb back in.
1: <laughs> Just
2: keep that in mind. But if they, if they have all those things going and they really do have a talent and a desire and a drive to do it, then my you know my advice is go for it. But be cautious. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of people out there that are willing to steal your money and your dreams from you, and you got to be yep. really careful with who you deal with. So I always tell people I'm a lot better at telling you what not to do than I am about telling you what to do uh, when they ask for that advice. But that would be my advice to that particular person.
0: Yep. You know, the best advice I think we've gotten for our show, and I think this would go for any artist and really anybody in general, but really especially if you're in Cree, if you're an artist or a host, I asked one of my Nashville friends what advice would he give us when we first began this show. And he said, the only advice I'll give is be and stay authentic. he says, because you might be able to tell every Bobby Bones joke. You might be able to tell every Ty Bentley joke. And you might be good at it, but the day will come when authentic Chris comes out. And when that day comes, you're going to lose every bit of your audience because they would never attract it to authentic Chris. They're attracted to fake Chris. So if you begin to Mm. stay authentic right from the beginning, your show may grow slower, but you'll have the right audience as you grow. That's great advice. That's great advice. And I am me. I I like conversation.
1: (laughs) Well, you're in the right (laughs) business, bud.
0: (laughs) Because I, I, I thrive on the – I mean, you're our second interview that we we had just, Taylor, come on earlier. Um, so you're our second interview of the day. I mean, we normally do one a day, but you know, yeah. we, we're trying to build up to the end of this month and get some extras in. So we've been really packing them on. And, but I love this. <laughs> I love the conversations. And what's funny, uh, before I get to the last question, I'll tell the small stories. You can tell, I love stories, and I love to tell stories, but for 17 right. years of our marriage um, – um, we'd be on a street somewhere, and Sandy would get so upset. She would, and we we joke about this now. But I would run into a stranger, not friend, stranger on right. the street. And we, me and the stranger would be two, three minutes in, and she would know, okay, we're going to be here 60 minutes. There's just <laughs> no way around it.
1: She, uh, and yes, she would roll her eyes many times.
0: <laughs> I, I have yep. done that thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of times in 17 years of our marriage. Little did we know that that was God preparing for this moment.
2: Wow. <laughs> That's really and interesting. Like.
0: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so, and, that, and now Sandy, Sandy's like, thank you for doing that. Because <laughs> you know, she understands yeah. that. Because you know, to hold a 60-minute conversation preparing. with a bunch of people that you don't know, even through this radio show um, that we're doing, it takes a lot out of you. And to do Mm -hmm. it all the time, you know, it's – you know, so if if we wouldn't have done all that, I probably couldn't do the show the way I do it, and I like the way I do it.
1: (laughs) I got you. I hear you. -hmm.
2: Yeah, when I get done, I got to have eight hours sleep and a bowl of Wheaties, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So so as we get to the last question here, I always like to end with this same question because I get great answers from this. Um, It kind of helps guide the show. What – because you – and you've probably been interviewed – Tons of times through the years. What is a question that you that you wish hosts like us would ask, but they kind of never do?
1: You totally
2: suck at this, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You yes, asked yes, great questions.
2: Um, you know, I think, and not that I have an answer for it, I, and this just popped into my head. So I, it's the. I, I don't know that, that 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 I've ever, you know, been going, God, I wish you'd asked me about this, but you didn't. There's some that they've asked <laughs> me I wish they hadn't,
1: uh, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know that there's, you know, uh, I've I, you've asked
2: some really unique ones today, and I commend you for it because I've done thousands of interviews, and, and you've asked a couple of questions that I've never been asked. Um, I appreciate that. You know, yeah, I um, I, I, I hear lately. I, in fact, I was doing an interview last night, and I was talking to the guy, and and he said, "What's something that people don't know about you that you know that they should or whatever?" Mm-hmm. Well, I, and, and so that's a good question. Um, yeah. And and I never had a really good answer for that. And I got to <laughs> think, what is what's the stuff about me that people don't know? You know.
0: And, uh, and you know, what's funny? And funny. One of my yeah. questions that I missed was. One of the questions that I usually ask – now, I change it up for a girl and a guy. With a girl, I usually ask what's quirky about you at the very beginning. For a guy, yeah. I change it up because a guy don't want to be asked what's quirky. So I've learned – you know, I know that. <laughs> you know, so yeah. for the guy, I usually ask what's unusual about you. So kind of would have hit that, you know, what you were just we saying. We usually do have that <laughs> <one>. <laughs> Well,
2: you know, what, what I'm going to say is probably most of your listeners won't even understand, but um, back in the day <laughs> there was a group uh, that was on the Grand Ole Opry for like 30-something years. In fact, the very first time we went <laughs> to the Grand Ole Opry, I was 12 or 13 years old. They're the only thing I remember about going to the Opry that time. We were on our way down oh, wow. to Disney World when it first opened. Wow. And um, they're a group called the Four Guys, or this four-part <laughs> harmony group. And mm-hmm. I remember those guys. I set up in the, the nosebleed section of the, the Opry House, which wasn't very old at that point in time. And they're the only ones mm. I remember seeing. So fast forward to 2001. I've been seeing all these demos since, like, 94. So, what, seven years by then, seven, eight years by then? And mm-hmm. one, a guy that I sang a lot of demos for wrote for Glen Campbell music, and it turns out he winds up oh, wow. in that group. Um, a, probably yeah. a few years after I saw them uh, on the stage of the Grand Ole Opry, and so I'd done a lot of work for him. Well, they decided, you know, they they got to where one of the guys was health wise couldn't perform anymore, so they they disbanded. And then in 2001, mm-hmm. early 2001, they decided they were going to put the group back together. Well, he couldn't sing anymore. So this guy calls me up, and says, "Hey, I'm part of this group called the Four Guys, and we wondered if you'd be interested in, in being the fourth guy." And I'm like, "You're kidding me! You know that would be awesome." Because mm-hmm. at that point in time, you guys remember remember, I'm seven or eight years into Nashville, and by then my spirits pretty low as far as figuring, okay, I'm I'm going I'm never going to get a record deal. They've all turned me down. Mm-hmm. They've all said no, and I pretty much you know, um, kind of resign myself to the the belief. That you know, mm-hmm. okay, God, this what you, you know. I, I don't know why, but you gave me this voice. But if that's all you want me to do is sing demos and feed my family, then that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and this thing yeah. came along mm-hmm. and it promised you know um, more money and stuff for my family and things like that. So I said, sure, I'll do it. We started rehearsing. I actually remember we played a show at Fanfare that year, CMA Music Fest. Uh, I was mm-hmm. one of the four guys, uh, and <laughs> down at the River Stages. And uh, lo and behold, as you know. Uh, two, three months after that, 9-11 happened, and all the wind went out of oh, wow. the sails. We were supposed to do yeah. all these cruise ship jobs and stuff like that, and it completely mm-hmm. went, Psh. and so, um, <laughs> and then, and I had like a, a a a closet full of tuxedos that they'd given me because they always wore tuxedos <laughs> on the stage. Oh wow. so mm-hmm. a, year, a few years later, a few years ago, this guy that couldn't sing got well enough to sing again, and they called me up and said, hey, can we have the tuxedos back? He's back in the group. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: so I said, oh, wow. sure, I said, I
2: said, but would you mind if I kept a couple of them that way I can prove I was one of the four guys one time? And they said, sure, <laughs> pick a couple of them and give the rest of them back. So I've got them. They're hanging in my oh, closet. Oh, wow. So, there you go, people. You uh-huh. didn't know I was actually the fourth guy at one point for about 15 <laughs> minutes in 2001.
0: <laughs> that wow. I love that story. So as we um, come to a close here, tell everybody how they can reach out to you.
2: Man, you guys need to get on my I'm, I'm Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. I'm on it. I've even got a TikTok account now. God <laughs> help me. Um, uh, but buddyjewel.com, as Jewel with two Ls J-E-W-E-L-L.com, you can buy my music there, you can get hard copy CDs there, you can get those on Facebook, I am Buddy Jewel on Facebook, look out for the fake guys, I have the blue circle with the white check mark in it, and yeah. um, uh, so catch me there. On Instagram, I am the Buddy Jewel. not the. And it's so amazing all the imposters out there. I can't imagine all the other artists are going through the same thing. But, yeah, check me out yeah. on social media. Uh, I, you can download the new record. It's called Blue Bonnet Highway. It's available Amazon, iTunes, Deezer, uh, you name it, Google Play, any place that you can get it, uh, they've got it. And uh, so stream it, download it, do something with it, or buy it, please. Like I said the other day, I don't care how you do it, just do the Nike thing. Just do it. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, and, you know, we really enjoyed having you on today. We love the story. Again, I'm a storyteller, and I love hearing stories. That just that makes me thrive. And that's why I guess why I love <laughs> yeah. the show so much. I get to hear tons of stories. So I love well. it. Um, but we'd love well, to have you you we love having you on. Well, thank you guys for being a I
2: appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much.
4: Oh, thank <laughs> you for your All time. Right. We sure appreciate and
0: it. And we look forward to meeting you when we come in Nashville, too.
2: Yes, we sir. We looking, Hey, when you when you get ready to come here, now my wife is a real <laughs> estate agent. You can, you need to call me to get your house hooked up, you know. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Keep that in mind. <laughs> I got to always throw that last
2: pitch in, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Promote right. Promote hey, are promote. you gonna are you gonna <laughs> say anything to, to you, you gonna say anything to them about Monday or is that a surprise too about my little thing Monday is that a surprise?
0: Oh, but we thing? can
4: go on and tell that yeah about the t- Facebook the, takeover yeah, the
0: Facebook thing oh oh oh, oh the Facebook yeah. Th- yeah I actually did post about yeah. it but that's right anybody that's still listening okay. to to the show right now
1: yeah um yeah.
0: buddy is going to t- do his very first. Facebook Live Takeover, and it's going to be on our page, and we're really excited about it. Yeah, I love
2: that, guys, because you you couldn't see the look on Chris's face, but he thought I was going to let the cat out of the bag about something else he told me Monday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Another <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, it it's com- Monday, yeah. too. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, the reason that confused me is because I already I, I posted your picture with the Facebook Live thing coming okay. for Monday. So that's why, the, well, yeah, uh, it. so it was <laughs> so that's why I was like, uh, "What are we talking about here?" I got it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm I'm devious sometimes. I'm just like that.
0: All right,
2: man. Oh, that's good.
0: All right, we enjoyed it. You guys it. have a you blessed have a weekend, day. brother.
2: Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank
0: you. Right, you too. Bye,
1: right, guys. Bye.